This is Fiberside Chat, a 3GIS podcast, bringing you the latest practices in the world of fiber networks and plus architecture. Hello and welcome to this episode of Fiberside Chat. I'm your host, James Kent, and joining me today are 3GIS's Jerry Golden, he's their Chief Operating Officer, and Michael Measles, he's 3GIS's VP of Product Management. Before I say hello to Jerry and Michael, I want to set the stage really quick. It seems today that all I ever hear about is fiber networks, but the reality is copper networks are still a large and viable part of the equation. So the saying, out with the old, in with the new, may not exactly apply in this world of multiple networks. But let's get the experts' take on the situation and unpack this topic. Jerry and Michael, welcome to the podcast. And thank you. Yep, thanks for having me. Michael, you've been on Fiberside Chat before, but Jerry, I believe this is your first time on the podcast, correct? It is, and it's primarily because I'm an old guy and been working in telco for some 30-something years, and so a lot of the knowledge I have is is older. However, copper seems to be an older topic. It's not (laughs) gone away. It's still here, uh, and so that's kind of why I'm here for this one. Okay, here's the big question. Copper and fiber, the enter the octagon, who comes out the winner and who's carted out on the stretcher? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> getting, <laughs> getting serious for a second. On a surface level, what are the major differences between a copper network and a fiber network? Let's start with the similarities. We're still modeling and, and managing cables and their internal components, as well as equipment and all their splices and connections. Now, the, the difference is come in where, where we're modeling copper cables. Uh, we actually model the internal components, or, or we call them pairs, in what we call ranges or complements. And when we create the copper cable, we don't create the internal components immediately. Uh, we, we do those, we create those as we assign them, or, or as we, we put them off at equipment, or, or we assign certain ranges. And at that point, we, uh, we create those complement pair ranges. With that concept, we greatly reduce the number of records. Now, the reason we do that is because we always manage them in pair ranges. We don't manage manage them independently, where in fiber, we actually do manage the individual strands independently. It's kind of a subtle thing, but uh, but under the hood, there's quite some major uh, major differences in how we manage that and manage those connections that, that go along with those. Are there any advantages of having a copper network over a fiber one? Are copper networks still relevant in today's fiber world? Most customers, uh, even today, still use copper in the in the last mile. So they'll they'll put fiber down to a certain point and then copper out to the customers. So there still is a lot of uh, a lot of copper network out there being uh, managed and, and configured these days. Yeah, I think I think copper copper's here to stay at least for the foreseeable future. As Jerry mentioned, organizations have a fairly significant investment in their copper network over the, you know, let's say the last, you know, several decades. Uh, so they're really taking advantage of that investment that they've made over time and really leveraging that in terms of profits uh, and and really reduction of overall maintenance cost or build out costs, let's say. So I, I think it's here to stay for sure. As Jerry mentioned, it is being used in the last mile. So a fiber network is connecting to a copper network in, in today's deployments, uh, really again, to take advantage of, of that last mile investment 
and, and to increase the bandwidth upstream to to maybe that cabinet that's being that's serving that last mile. So uh, we've we've heard lots of rumors about copper going away, but but I'm with Jerry. It's here to stay at least for the foreseeable future. Would you say there are limitations that copper networks have that fiber networks do not, or vice versa, if any? Certainly the, the bandwidth and speed uh, of copper is, is a lot less than fiber. It's just such a, such a huge capital expenditure for, for a lot of these telcos to, uh, to just say, oh, we're going to put fiber to the home. Certainly we, we'd want that, uh, and, and everyone wants that, but it's all about... The expenditure and the amount of copper network that's out there, uh, it's just a, a huge effort to, uh, to undertake. And you can't do it in a few years. It's going to take several years. For providers like Verizon, who recently announced their plans to retire their copper facilities in several states, proposing partial retirement of their copper networks, what does that look like? As Jerry mentioned, that's going to be a long and drawn out process. We've heard over, maybe give you an example of one customer case study in in which a large customer purchased our software to manage their fiber network with the intent of rolling their copper network into it, you know, at some later date. And through the course of the conversation implementation on the fiber side, it was determined that that copper was going to quote unquote go away. And we now find ourselves just a couple of years later having conversations with them in terms of where does our, our solution or application stand in terms of being able to manage copper. Uh, so I, I think telcos are really struggling with with that asset and, and what they're going to do with it in, in the long term. And it seems to me that, that there is a, a solid vision in terms of, if, of how to deprecate that existing asset and replace it with new fiber assets within the near term. You know, they seem to be waffling back and forth in terms of what they want to do. But but ultimately, I believe they'll have to manage those copper networks um, again for the foreseeable future. And, and that means, you know, from our perspective, uh, at least a product perspective anyway, we've spent really the last year building a copper solution. Uh, we've primarily been a fiber-focused company, but we do see the need uh, for our customers and, and, and potential customers to be able to manage those copper assets kind of you know, moving forward. So we've, we've made an investment and we've built you know, what some would say is an application to manage a legacy network that will go away at some point in the future. But for now, you know, we, we, we don't necessarily see copper going away. Uh, so, you know, from a competitive point of view, we need to manage both. No one wants to have two systems, uh, one to manage copper and one to manage fiber. They all want one single system. However, a lot of telcos are, are approaching the dilemma of, of do they spend a lot of time and money to to migrate their copper data when we see it's going to be phasing out over the next several years. And so we believe we've come up with a system and a process uh, that will help minimize that, that the cost and the, uh, and the expense of getting that data over uh, so that then they really can have a state-of-the-art fiber management system as well as a system that would maintain uh, and manage their copper network. Jerry, that's perfect lead into my next question because we've already mentioned it a little bit earlier that there's a lot of significant investment in copper networks. And so, you know, are there any additional financial implications or considerations to be aware of moving over to fiber beyond that obvious uh, just for making the switch in the first place? Because I think that is the thing that probably prevents 
people from moving over is that investment. Well, yeah, as I said, telcos are, are approaching this dilemma to say, uh, do we really want to spend a lot of time and effort to move move the data over as well as implement a whole new system for copper when, when we're going to be phasing that anyway? And so our approach was to give them a single system. Uh, and, and we've gone through a, a great deal of diligence to make sure that the, the user interface for our fiber side is as close as it can be uh, on the copper side. So when we're training users, uh, those users that already know how to manage fiber or, or uh, modify our fiber network would also uh, very intuitively understand how to uh, to manage the copper as well. So we've gone through a lot of, a lot of processes. We've also done a lot of uh, automated migrations. Uh, so we can migrate that data fairly quickly, as well as we automate a lot of processes. So there's not a lot, not a lot of manual efforts. Uh, so we can do it quicker and cheaper. We don't foresee cleaning up a lot of that data or spending a lot of time to clean up the data. Uh, we'll just bring it over as is. Sure. And that way we'll we'll minimize the cost as well as minimize the time it takes to get it over, uh, because customers just don't want to spend a lot of time and money if they're really phasing that out anyway. But as we said before, this actually completes the hybrid network. Uh, so you really need it both in the same system. Absolutely. And I'm, I might add to you, we're, we're obviously a, pr- a product-based company, you know, focused on building solutions for our customers. But, but our customers do, do pose some, some really practical challenges as it relates to migrating from their copper kind of investments that they've made in the past to, to more of a fiber-focused investment. And I think it, should, it shouldn't go without saying that there are some implications just organizationally that can impact you know, they can impact these customers that they're trying to face on a day-to-day basis. So some of that is staffing concerns with respect to uh, those those maintenance technicians and, and operations uh, staff that have been primarily focused on maintaining and managing those copper networks in the past. And then outside of that, just, you know, what does it mean to train, you know, those individuals uh, to manage these fiber networks moving forward? And what kind of systems do you now need to deploy that allow them to not only manage the fiber network, but but also, you know, to manage the copper network as well? So there's, there is a move, it seems, to really Really merge kind of the operational aspects of these companies into more of a what we'll call a wireline focused entity that that has staff and that has and and, and can manage across you know a, a fiber or a copper network. Uh, so so that's a real practice. Staffing is a very practical challenge. Just in addition to migrating these networks over, and then what does that ultimately mean in terms of that asset management strategy? And I, and I think that that's a real struggle today. And and I don't. I don't not one customer that that we deal with has really been able to, you know, 100% satisfy, you know, those challenges to to meet their business needs. As we look at this past year and what's gone on, there's been an increased use for people communicating online and most of the time from home. What kind of strain does that put on copper networks, and is this becoming a factor in decisions to maybe try to move things over to fiber for the speed issues? I'd say one of the biggest challenges that we've seen with respect to that is is those companies that have a primarily an HFC network uh, that are trying to maintain the bandwidth requirements at the you know let, let's say at the connection to the home level, you know, and, and really requires them to to have a 
more of a fiber deep strategy in terms of their network deployment. The same is true from from a copper point of view. You know, here here in the U.S., uh, some of the larger providers are more aggressively pursuing fiber to the home and, and replacing those copper assets, and 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 we've seen significant movements uh, along along that path over the last really six months. You know, especially in today's day and age, and and certainly we've seen a more aggressive approach to you know other deployment technologies in addition to fiber uh, here in the U.S. and in Europe specifically are related to 5G. Uh, so uh, I think in Europe, 5G, the, the challenge has been how do we monetize those networks moving forward? And now with, with people working from home and, and looking at deployment strategies around serving, you know, those individuals at home, you know, with more of a 5G type of network, monetization of the of those build outs is becoming a little bit more achievable, uh, I would say, uh, than maybe even this time last year, you know, when we were engaged in that market. So it's definitely impacting it. And, and we're seeing significant growth uh, in terms of these build outs and densification projects, both to support fiber to the home, 5G and copper replacement. So taking in account the good, the bad, and the ugly of copper networks, it doesn't look like they're going away in their entirety anytime soon, even for providers like Verizon. So how are service providers operating two different types of networks? I think we've covered a little bit of this already, but um, is there anything else that you want to add to that? I would say in many cases, especially large telcos, there's two different departments, one that manages copper, one that manages fiber, and they'll work together at the meet points uh, where where fiber drops off and and copper comes together. But but as Michael was saying before, companies are going to be, as they phase out copper, that that group's going to get smaller and the fiber group's going to get bigger. It, It would be much nicer to be able to to merge those groups and, and be able to utilize the the resources uh, to do both. Uh, and if they had a single system that does both, uh, it would be much easier to do that. That's one of the one of the major things that we're looking at at doing and, and trying to solve that that problem. So then, what are the strategies that they're using to operate and and the challenges you know of each having sometimes again operating a copper team and a fiber team. Yeah, so so there are some significant challenges and I, I would I think you even have to add a, th- a third leg to that stool in terms of wireless. So we have as Jerry mentioned, we have customers looking at kind of what the convergence of copper and fiber really means for their organization. But interestingly enough, we now see uh, the convergence of wireless as well. So, so now we have th- three different types of technologies that are being deployed in, in the service area or service territory to, to serve the needs of their customers. And, and each, each technology has its, has its own uh, kind of technical implications. So, you know, for instance, you know, somebody that's historically managed a copper network or a twisted pair network in the field doesn't necessarily you know, directly understand, you know, how wavelengths impact, you know, service from a from a fiber point of view. And then add wireless technologies like 5G into the mix and, and understanding the number of antennas that have to be deployed and the potential obstructions that are between those antennas in terms of service and the latency and attenuation is different with each type of network. So how does one fully understand and get the get the larger picture in terms of of how those customers are being served, regardless of the technology, uh, so that they can appropriately manage and troubleshoot it, is really what I, I believe that our challenges of the future as a, as a network management company is being able to converge these technologies and to deliver a cohesive 
experience, uh, no matter the experience level of the end user. Uh, and I think that's 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 our challenge moving forward. And, and honestly, I think it's a challenge inside of many of these carrier companies that uh, are struggling with their capital expenses and operating expenses with respect to managing these types of networks and deploying new networks. As we begin to wrap up our conversation today, what are the top three triggers carriers have for changing their method of network management? I would answer that question with dollars, dollars, and dollars. And I might let Jerry jump in here in a second and may, maybe describe his impressions of each each one of each one of these. But dollars in terms of revenue, dollars in terms of cost of maintenance, and dollars in terms of customer churn. If I were a carrier, and in the discussions that we've had with carriers to date, in terms of meeting their business objectives, have really been focused on on those three. And the drivers around uh, those three are, you know, are, are significant in, in terms of the decisions that are currently being made, and in, in terms of deploying new network, in terms of how they're going to maintain that network into the future, in terms of how they're going to manage that network and the systems, the systems that are going to use to manage it. Uh, how those systems are then deployed outwardly to the field uh, and to their technicians. And then at, at the end of the day, providing a quality of service that really withstands kind of the demand of their customers. So, Jerry, I don't know, do you want to kind of speak to each one of those uh, just from your perspective, what you've seen in the past and where you see things moving forward into the future? I would say uh, in the recent COVID times, we've had a number of carriers who've, who've had really good quarters uh, because, because their, their customers are, are requesting more bandwidth uh, and bigger pipes. And so the, they're seeing a big demand, which in, in one way increases revenue because you charge more for, for more service. Uh, because as we said before, People are working from home and, and maybe you have two people working from home and you got kids doing their schoolwork. Uh, you probably got kids streaming videos and playing video games and, and all of that is very intensive on bandwidth. So this kind of goes back to the dollars. If you sell a, a bigger service or, or more service, it certainly increases uh, revenue. At the same time, want to keep down your cost of maintenance. Uh, so it's, it's very, very difficult to to manage two types of networks, uh, and and so you, as they cut over, uh, you want to be able to uh, to move that group over uh, that that manages the networks and to be able to share resources, uh, as we had said before. And certainly, we don't want customers to uh, to leave. Once you uh, once you have a customer, you want to keep them. In fact, sell them a, a bigger service, sell them more. Absolutely. Hey, before we go, are there any parting thoughts you'd like to share on this topic? Anything that we didn't cover that you think uh, our listening audience should know about? I think a lot of people would say, why are you building copper when when it's phasing out? But as we said before, the, the, the general theme of the whole, the whole talk was we built it to bridge the gap between a, a state-of-the-art fiber system, which we believe we have, and then those telcos that are actually managing both copper and fiber. And so they all want to manage their network in, in a single system. And so we believe we've, we've answered that. Uh, we have a system that you can manage both. And so, so we think we have a, a good solution and, and we've been getting requests for it for, for a number of years. And so we were reluctant to do it to begin with, but, uh, but, uh, and we've, we've gotten customers that said that they're going to be phased out fiber in two years. And, and some say they're going to be 15 years. I would say probably the 15 years is, 
is more accurate because when you look at plans more than three to five years out, things get reprioritized. Probably, uh, I would say at least 10 years uh, where there'll be significant uh, copper network to manage. And so we believe we've answered that that issue and, and we've got optimized ways to, uh, to get the data over and to allow customers to go ahead and move that data uh, and live in one system. So we, we are creating a solution to manage their copper assets. And, and oftentimes the, the discussions that we have with our customers with respect to you know, what their copper plans are moving forward is really focusing around, you know, for us, we needed to identify the minimum viable product in terms of copper. Uh, so that minimum viable product is is certainly based on kind of feedback we've gotten from our customers. So now I think as customers move forward with the potential to essentially replace and or remove their copper assets, they need to think about what the minimum viable workflow is for maintaining those assets moving forward. Uh, some of them are doing that with some of the staffing changes that we've seen inside their organization. But I think it's important to note that if, if you if you want a kind of a future a future-proofed technology, which is what we think we've built, uh, really focusing on what's your minimum viable workflow look like if if you do intend to deprecate your your copper assets over the next you know two to three years, and, and not expect uh, a provider such as us or any of our competitors to build a product that's going to align directly to those existing workflows. As we've mentioned, there's a convergence of technologies. You know, wireless copper and fiber uh, are, are going to be converged at some point, and, and our carriers and some of our customers are doing that today. Uh, so that within the context of what the minimum viable workflow to, to maintain those networks looks like moving forward is, is really an appropriate discussion to have internally, uh, especially as you engage in the market and understanding how you're going to not only replace your copper network, but how you're going to replace your legacy technology to manage it. Perfect. My guests today have been Jerry Golden, the Chief Operating Officer for 3GIS, and Michael Measles, 3GIS's VP of Product Management. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure speaking with both of you. Thanks for having us. Yep, thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of Fiberside Chat, brought to you by 3GIS. If you liked what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Hit the subscribe button and you'll always have the latest episode whenever it becomes available. And don't forget to leave a rating and a comment after each episode. Tell us how we're doing and what subject you'd like covered on a future podcast. I'm your host, James Kent. Let's talk again soon.